Good morning. And Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thanks for the shout out. Yeah, I've, I've kind of had this secret desire to come up here and shout out Good Morning Vietnam to all of you, but <laughs> I'm withholding from that. So, uh, yeah, strange urge, I know, but uh, funny movie. So, yeah, it's my pleasure to be here this morning and share the second Advent Sunday message. We uh, heard from Andrew last week, which was great, on the gift of hope. And I'm going to talk this morning about peace. Uh, very critical topic in our day for sure. But let's start with the reading of the word. Uh, so if you would all stand for that, that would be awesome. And uh, we're going to be in Luke 2, 8 through 14 as our, as our first passage. Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. You can all be seated. So this is a often quoted passage in this, our, our Christmas season. Um, and I'm going to focus a little bit on this last phrase, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. Um, kind of an aside note before we dive into the message, you know, I think about this thing, goodwill towards men. And, you know, we're in this Christmas season and we often lament the <clears throat> commercialism of it all. And, uh, you know, how much it kind of gets cheap and exploited to some degree. But I also think about how much of a blessing that Christmas is to our world, right? If you think about the financial impact that Christmas has on our world economy, it's massive. In the U.S. alone, it's like a trillion dollars every year out of, out of a $26 trillion economy. So it's like a huge piece of our economy that the Lord is, like, blessing us with every year, um, and even Black Friday, you know, the, the meaning behind that is that the, they go from, from losing money to making money. They go into the black, right? So every merchant is blessed by the, by the coming of the Son of God, which is, uh, I don't know, I think that's really cool. So, you know, when you think about that, just remember the Lord has goodwill towards all men. And, uh, and we're all certainly thankful for that. Um, but we are here celebrating the Advent season. We've kicked off that practice um, and Pastor went over the, the use of the wreath last week, and we're going to continue that here today, but kind of reminding ourselves that, uh, you know, as we, as we light these candles and, and we think about this season of the year, um, you know, Advent means the, the arrival, the approach, the coming of Christ. And even as we sang this morning, uh, we celebrate because he came, he comes, and he is coming. And so uh, as we reflect on that here this morning, I'm going to light, if I can do this, the hope candle from last week, and then also the candle of peace. So let's remember those as, uh, as I speak here this morning and share what the Lord has put, put on my heart to do. Peace, peace. It's a, it's a word we hear all the time. 
I think as we say the word, we probably all have our own image of what that means and maybe a definition of what that all encompasses today. And I really want to dive in to, to, to help us understand what, what the scriptures mean, what the Son of God means uh, when we receive this, this promise of peace. And I'm going to start with the definition. So uh, I think you might have this on slide, which would be great. Um, and I'm going to start with the English definition of peace. Uh, so what it means is a, a freedom from disturbance, tranquility, mental calm, serenity. A state or period in which there is no war or a war has ended or freedom from dispute or dissension between individuals or groups. So you can see that the, the, the definition is largely, you know, peace with ourselves and peace with other men. So it's kind of the, the context of the English form of that word and probably how most of us think about the concept of peace. I'll also point out this last one, a ceremonial handshake or kiss exchanged during a service in some churches. Funny story. <clears throat> My father-in-law, uh, who's been a pastor for many, many years, among other things, uh, back in the mid-90s went and visited Russia um, after the, the Iron Curtain fell. And they were ministering to churches throughout the country. And apparently, it's still very common practice for the men to exchange kisses with each other, uh, full-on lip kisses. And um, my, my father-in-law describes this scene of this big, large Russian man coming up to give him a plant a kiss on his lips. Uh, thankfully, we're not going to reinstitute that practice this morning. All right, so everybody relax. But <clears throat> it is kind of a funny thought. So... But I want to contrast that with, with how the, the, the Bible describes peace. And um, so we've got, you know, in the scriptures, there's two primary languages that are involved. There's Hebrew and there's Greek. And uh, I've got both the definitions of the Hebrew and the Greek. And I'll kind of read through these. Don't get lost in the detail. But I want you to get a feel for the, the comprehensiveness that is intended by these words. And, you know, the word in Hebrew is, uh, you know, shalom. Uh, one that we've, we've heard a lot. We think it equivocates to our word peace, and it kind of does, but it also kind of doesn't. Uh, and then the, 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 the word in Greece is irene. I think I pronounced it that right, uh, but whatever. Uh, it means very similar. So, you know, the two uh, correlate quite a bit. Uh, in Hebrew, it means completeness, soundness, welfare, or uh, safety, soundness in body, welfare, health, and prosperity, peace, quiet, tranquility, contentment, Peace of, in friendships, so in human relationships, peace with God, especially in covenant relationship, and as well as peace from war. Um, and you'll see that the, the, the Greek definition is, is very similar, um, adding a state of national tranquility, exemption from the rage and havoc of war, uh, harmony, concord, peace between individuals, uh, also this idea of prosperity or felicity. Um, where, you know, you have to have peace in order to have a prosperous uh, life and environment. Um, also, that it's the Messiah's peace. It's the gift of God, the way of salvation that leads to peace. Um, and the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. So, again, another layer of this concept of peace uh, that I think we, we start to see exposed. Um, but I want to work through these these definitions to some degree uh, and, and really help us understand this concept of peace and what, what we're being invited to um, when, we think about, when we think about peace. And as I mentioned, you know, the world defines peace largely 
as tranquility of your own self and tranquility with your fellow man. Um, but again, the Bible adds so much more to this and in, in including the idea of peace with God, but also abundance and peace in our circumstances. And I don't think we often think about that when we think about being at peace. Uh, we're usually thinking, am I feeling anxious? Am I, you know, uh, am I in conflict with other people? Uh, you know, is there a state of peace around me in my day or in my nation? Um, but we're not often thinking about, am I living a place of contentment? And am I in forgiveness uh, and, and peace and relationships with those that are around me? And, uh, <clears throat> you know, am I in a place of contentment? Am I content with where God has me and his provision for me? And, you know, this promise of peace that, that Christ gives us is so profound um, and so much more complete than we can ask or think. And I believe we've been shortchanging that, uh, you know, in, in our day. Uh, and I think we're letting the world to some degree hijack the definition and the scope and the process and purpose of peace. And uh, so I want to I expand our minds here, here this morning as we go um, because, yeah, the promise of peace is throughout Scripture. I was telling Andrew this morning, right, like, you, you come up with this topic, can you preach on the peace? Man, there's so, there's so much material that's available. Um, you know, I could literally sit down and just read Scripture after Scripture after you that, that just talks so much about the Prince of Peace, the Spirit of Peace, the God of Peace, you know, peace among men, uh, you know, how the world, uh, you know, has no peace and cannot you know, cannot generate it in and of themselves. But um, I kind of want this to be a little bit more personal, you know, here this morning and share from some of my own experiences, what we see around us, uh, but as well encourage and exhort us because I, I think there's ways that we can practice this promise of peace in a much more tangible way um, in, in, um, in our daily lives. Um, and, and this is a seat, well, if we look around, the world is in desperate need of peace, right? There is conflict at every level of our society. Uh, there's uh, discord and disquiet in the homes of most people. Uh, you know, people are looking for an answer everywhere they turn. We think it'll be in politics. We think it'll be in provision. We'll think it'll be in economics, whatever that may be. Um, but any peace that is, is found is fleeting uh, by pursuing those means. And if we look at just the 20th century alone uh, was the most violent uh, of, of any century in human history. Over 200 million people were killed in wars alone uh, in the 20th century over the last 100 years, let alone you know, abortion, starvation, oppression, um, and other forms of violence that have, have plagued mankind. There has literally been an explosion of violence in our world. Right now, there are six major wars 14 minor wars and 23 conflicts going on around the world. Did anybody know that? I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, we know of a few. Uh, you know, obviously we've got the conflict uh, in, in Israel with Hamas and, you know, all the things that are happening there. Uh, in fact, we've got some dear friends that run the, the Christian school in Bethlehem. Um, and, uh, you know, getting their weekly reports of everything that's going on has been uh, has been really good, but, you know, challenged in their daily life, um, you know, uh, across the board. And uh, certainly, certainly something for us to be praying through. You know, we've got the, the conflict with Ukraine and Russia that continues to threaten uh, conflagration and growth. 
we've got our own political turmoil in this country with Biden and Trump and all the, the, the turmoil of politics that are wrapped up in that. Uh, we've been plagued even more recently with racial tension and violence uh, that has reared its head again and you know, strikes that have been happening across, uh, across the country in various industries. Um, you know, we've got all the conflict in the educational world and the LGBTQ movement and, you know, everything that's, that's enwrapped around, you know, up in that. And so literally everywhere we look at every level of society, um, you know, there's violence. School shootings, you know, another terrible thing. Uh, you know, 2022 set the record with was it uh, 305 school shootings, which is insane, uh, but 2023 has already surpassed it. Um, so it just continues, it continues to get worse. Crime is out of control. I recently heard that um, the mayor of Memphis was actually considering bringing in the military to help augment the police force because crime is just out of control. You know, then we also look at our, the state of our interpersonal lives. Um, Shockingly, suicides are up by 40% since the year 2000. 40%. It's a tragedy. Um, and then rates of anxiety and depression among young adults have risen by 63% from the time of between 2005 and 2017. Yeah, so I, I kind of read through these statistics and information just well, a little bit of shock value, but a little bit of just awakening to the fact that there is a real deficit of of peace in this world. Um, and it's interesting too, if, if, if familiar with the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? It starts with food and, and shelter and water, you know, some of the basic provisions, but peace, having a stable environment is the second most important thing to our existence and thriving as human beings. And uh, <clears throat> clearly uh, many, many uh, of our brothers and sisters around the world uh, don't don't have that, that peace and that stable environment. And even scripture tells us in Isaiah 59, 8, it says, they do not know the way of peace and there is no justice in their tracks. They have made their paths crooked. Whoever treads on them does not know peace. So the world is seeking peace actively, trying to find solutions to these problems that continue to grow and plague us. But we know that <clears throat> the world doesn't have those answers. And uh, ultimately, they're trying to attain peace without the Prince of Peace. Um, but, you know, we look at that and it's easy to judge the world and say, well, you know, they're living in unbelief. They've rejected the Savior. They, you know, so, of course, this is the condition of the world. Uh, but I also want us to reflect and look inwardly and so, as, as well and say, how are we doing as believers? How are we doing as uh, followers of Christ and, and as a church? And, you know, statistics say that in the church, there's less depression and anxiety, as an example. Um, but I'm also thinking about that saying, are we, are we called to just be a little bit better, just a little bit different than the world? Or are we, are we called to a different standard? Is there a different level of expectation and experience that a follower of Christ should have compared to somebody who... Who, who doesn't have the spirit of God living in them? And I think these are important questions to ask ourselves um, and really look and reflect on our own walk and our own journey. You know, how, how are we doing in that? And, and I've got my own testimony of this. Um, you know, the last 18 months for our family have been really, really difficult. It's been 
the most trying period of my professional life. Um, you know, God has been amazingly faithful in helping us, uh, you know, meet our needs. And, and uh, it's, been, it's been an incredible experience, but also just incredibly difficult. And in those periods where, you know, you don't have the margin, you don't have the comfort, you don't have the bandwidth and capacity that you do in normal times of, of, of comfort and provision, you know, God uses those to expose cracks in our souls and in our, in our lives um, in order to help us grow, right? Uh, to drive us closer to him and to rely more fully on, on who God is. And, uh, you know, so as we've been journeying through this, you know, my, my emotions have kind of been all up and down, as you could imagine. Uh, uh, you know, struggling with, you know, not really knowing how situations are going to work out, very little predictability, um, you know, uh, not, not things that are conducive towards tranquility and peace of mind. <laughs> um, but as I've been, you know, the other side of that is I also know God's promises, right? I know that he is my provider. I know that he has given me uh, words in his scripture, but he's also shared words through his body that says he is with us in this time. He has great plans for us and for our family that we can rely on him and trust in him even when, you know, we're not seeing the abundance or the expectations met that we, that we would hope. So I, I have this knowledge in my head, but then I've got this inner life of turmoil, right? Um, and there was one morning I was here at early morning prayer and, um, you know, kind of reflecting uh, on, on all of this stuff. And I was thinking about uh, the words of Paul out of Philippians 3, uh, where he's saying, you know, that, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, uh, becoming like him in his death. And, uh, and then also with that... Um, Later on in Philippians, he's, he says, you know, I've learned um, in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking on these verses, and like, yes, my heart is, Lord, I want to know you in the power of your resurrection and in the fellowship of your suffering and Lord, also, I want to be able to be content whether I abase or whether I abound. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience before, uh, but sometimes you're, maybe you're thinking about a topic or somebody speaking or um, whatever that may be, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just kind of comes up alongside you, right, and asks you a question. And, and I, I kind of felt the Lord do that. He's like, Patrick, have you been content in this season. And I, I, I could only confess, no, <laughs> I, I have not been content. Um, in fact, I've been struggling a lot, uh, with our circumstances and situation. And, uh, I was really convicted about that. And, and he whispered to me and he said, you know, Patrick, I know you want to be in a place of abundance, but how can you truly know contentment if you haven't experienced it in lack? Right? Like, how can, we, how can we be content when we abound if we haven't learned to be content when we abase? Right? And as we kind of furthered this conversation, I was reminded of, 
James chapter 1, and I'll read it for you, 5 through 9. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let that lowly brother boast in his... Oh, well, copied that one. Don't need that one. Oops. <laughs> yeah, um, but this, this idea of being a double-minded man really hit me. And I realized that I'd been letting the stress, uh, the unknowns, kind of the waves of our circumstances affect my mind, my heart, and my emotions by my decisions I was following and trusting God. But my emotional state was all over the place. And, you know, I realized that I was acting as that double-minded man. I was not firmly planted in the, in, in the word of God and the faith of God and the provision of God and ultimately in the peace of God um, because uh, I was letting all these other things dictate how I would think and feel about the circumstances that I'm going through. And um, not to be in a place of condemnation, the Lord knows that we're going to struggle, <laughs> Um, in fact, in the, his word, he says, do not fear 365 times. So I think we all need to hear that and know that, right? And God's not condemning us for, um, you know, these, these times and trials that he puts us through. He does it on purpose in order to grow us and strengthen us. <clears throat> and so in that, I've, I've found an invitation, right, to how do I align my heart and and my mind with my decisions and my faith so that I am congruent <laughs> inside and out and can truly be a man at peace. And I'm, I'm, t I'm still working on that. Um, uh, as my wife and kids can probably attest, um, that's for sure. Uh, but I, I have found uh, the invitation uh, to be one of uh, gentleness and openness. I, f I find God's spirit has been meeting me in this on a daily basis. And um, I am, I'm thankful for that journey um, and this ability to grow, <clears throat> to grow in this way. And so, you know, in, in, in an effect, it's, it's God calling, <clears throat> calling me into my inheritance, right? If we think about what, what Jesus has promised us and, and given us as an inheritance, peace and this concept of shalom is dead center of, of, his, of his gift to us. And, you know, that's also been the testimony of the church throughout the centuries, right? If we look over the last several thousand years of church history, there's countless stories of believers joyfully facing persecution, suffering, lack, um, execution, right? From this place of abundant joy, they're completely set free from their circumstances and full of the joy and peace of the Lord. And that's the invitation he has for all of us, right? Is to step into that inheritance and, and learn how to do this. Um, but we exist in this world and, you know, we've got this war that's going on for, for our peace of mind, for our perspective, for... Um, how we view uh, how we view the world around us, and uh, I I kind of titled this message "The Tale of Two Poles." Kind of explain that here in a minute. It's a bit strange, but um, if you could put up the the next slide, 
I was taking a walk in McGregor Park up in Westfield on, uh, on Friday, actually. Surprisingly enough, I came across this, um, this installation, and it's, it's called the Peace Pole. And uh, I, was, I was looking at it and reading it, and, you know, it's this pole that's planted in the ground. There's, it says, may, may peace rule the world uh, in, like, five different languages. Um, sorry, here, I'm getting through my notes. I'll get there. <clears throat> and yeah, it's got this sentiment, may, may peace prevail upon the earth. And apparently these are installed in like 180 countries across the world. And I was looking at that and it was, you know, especially preparing for this message on peace, it really struck me like, this is the world's answer, right? <laughs> the- <laughs> This is the world's answer to peace, and it's a sentiment, right? It's like, it's a, it's a, it's a baseless hope. It's a philosophical construct, um, and it's this godless prayer to nothing that's just saying, hey, you know, it would be really great if we had some peace here. Um, but my, the thing that I felt in my spirit was like, is this how we in the church are approaching peace as well, right? Like, are we just treating it as this kind of philosophical construct and, you know, general framework that has these narrow definitions? Or are we actually approaching it the way we've been instructed and, and taught? And it really hit me, uh, you know, much like Herod, when, when Jesus was presented in front of Herod, right? Herod asked this question. He says, what is truth? And truth was standing in front of him, right? Jesus is the truth. Um, Jesus is also the peace. And so if you flip to the next slide, you know, it's, they, they've got a pole, so they've got half of it right, right? It's just the wrong, it's the wrong pole. They're missing, they're missing the cross, right? Um, because this is, this is our true answer for peace. Uh, peace is a person. Uh, peace is not, um, yeah, some some state of mind, uh, some state of being. It is the very literal presence of Christ. It's Jesus himself. And we can't attain peace without the Prince of Peace. And this peace was bought and earned for us on this cross, on this pole. Um, And, you know, Jesus said, when when they lift me up, I will draw all men to, to myself. Right, and that's what he's in the process of doing. Right, and and this conflict and this war of pieces <laughs> uh, is part of that. Where the distinction that says, "What has the world accomplished?" Right, through those methods versus what has Jesus given us as an inheritance. And you know, I I want to be one who freely drinks, you know, from this fountain of peace. Um, and I want us to be a people that abound in peace, abound in the spirit of God and share that as well. But the Lord also knows that we struggle with that. Um, he says, you know, in this world, you will have trouble. He was right. We're going to have trials and challenges and difficulties. And um, what we need to do is learn through those challenges and difficulties how to attain the peace that God has promised us and given us. 
And um, there's a passage, it's Philippians 4, 6 through 9. And this is, a, this is just a wonderful, wonderful passage. I think there's so many things that could be taught out of this. Um, uh, but I'm just going to read it for us here, and then, and then we'll unpack it a bit. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any evidence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So this is like a training regimen, right? This is like a practical guide for how do we apply and live in this peace that God has promised us. And we see in this that, again, peace is not a philosophical construct. Uh, peace is a very active thing. God's peace guards our hearts and guards our minds in Christ Jesus. You know, our job is to come to him in thankfulness, faith, and supplication, right? We're saying, hey, Lord, I've got these needs. I know you're going to meet them. I don't know how you're going to meet them. I don't know when you're going to meet them. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know that you will. And I'm thankful that I could come to you, right, with these needs and trust you for your provision. And then his promise is that he's going to guard our hearts and minds, right? And it's a peace that passes understanding. It's, it's beyond our minds. We can't understand it. It makes no sense, right? It sets the world on edge. They're like, how in the world can you be at peace in these circumstances, right? It's the testimony of our lives that says this is radically different than anything else that I have experienced in my life. And this is what the Lord wants us to walk in, right? Is, is this level of peace. And it's, it's something that we practice. Mm. Um, and, you know, you think about it, how to, okay, so how do we, how do we do this thing of, you know, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is true, lovely, commendable, how do we think on these things? Um, and, and Paul further instructs us in Second Corinthians 10, says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity unto obedience unto Christ. Right, so <clears throat> we have to treat this as a war, right? It's a, it's a battle for our minds and our hearts and our testimony in the world. And um, Christ, or, yeah, Paul instructs us here we have to bring every thought captive unto obedience unto, unto Christ. And this is, this is something that we have the power to do because we have the Holy Spirit. But we also need to practice it because we're still flawed men, <laughs> right? And it's something that we need to get better and better at. And, and how, do we, how do we bring our thoughts unto captivity, unto Christ, unless we know 
the thoughts of Christ as well, right? We have the mind of Christ by the Spirit of God, but we also have the instruction in his word. We need to be daily consuming the word of God and letting that guide and judge our thoughts on a constant basis. So it's, it's this curation um, uh, of this inner thought life that is critical. And I have, actually I have a lot to share on that topic about spiritual warfare and how it relates to the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the fruit of the tree of life. And, but we don't have time for that this morning. Um, if you ever want to talk about that, let me know. Or if I get another chance to preach, maybe that would happen. Um, but <clears throat> just know that the, 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 the thoughts of our mind deeply affect our hearts. And then out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouth speaks, right? There's a cycle that, that is involved there that's deeply important to the experience of life that we're living. And, and <clears throat> we, Jesus wants to be master of that. <clears throat> he wants to be Lord of all of that in our lives. And so that's... That's what we're here to do. <clears throat> um, and we're also called, so we have this need to be able to rule our own lives in peace and tranquility by the Spirit of God. But we're also called to be peacemakers. You know, this is an active thing that God has called us to in the world. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God, right? Uh, out of the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And we know that yeah, this is something that the, the followers of Christ across the globe are sent into situations to do. And again, the, the, the peace of God is the spirit of God. It's active. It's palpable. It's present. It is beyond uh, some mental and philosophical construct. And I was, as I was thinking about this message, <clears throat> this, uh, this verse came to mind. It's out of Matthew 10, 12 and 13. Um, and when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And, and band, you can go ahead and come up here as we kind of prepare to close. But I, I wanted to end on this verse and this, this concept um, because this to me is just kind of mind-bending, right? What does this mean that I can place my peace upon a household and if it doesn't receive it, I can take it back? And, and again, it goes back to this idea of um, peace is active, and it's the very presence of God, and it's a power that Christ has given us by his spirit to project upon the world, right? We actually have the ability to give peace to other people and them to feel it and receive it. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, um, I know just recently I was, I was praying for a brother, and I, I, this verse was in my mind, and I was asking the Lord to touch him with peace. And he had this just amazing, he's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I just feel so peaceful all of a sudden. Um, I'm not saying that happens all of a sudden, but we have that ability as followers of Christ filled with the Holy Spirit to share the peace that God has given us with those around us. And I'd like you all to stand uh, here at the end uh, because I want to I wanna pray <clears throat> for us to be activated, right, with, with the spirit of peace, that as we go about our lives, that we are tangibly thinking about, even picturing, right, like this peace that we have within our temple. We can give that to other people around us. We can literally touch them with the um, 
unknowable peace of God, right? Uh, that, that can practically break through and help them in significant ways. And I would like for us to all look for opportunities, even yet this week, even today, to share that peace with other, with other people around us. And if you're one who is struggling right now in, in some of these areas, either you don't know the Lord, you don't know him as your Prince of Peace, you know, today, come, uh, receive, drink of this fountain of living water that the Lord has offered. Receive the peace of God and be reconciled to the Father. If you're also struggling emotionally or, you know, maybe there's situations in your life, lack of forgiveness, conflict, uh, discontentment, whatever these may be, come forward. Um, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up. I'll stand up here as well. Uh, let's pray. Let's seek the Lord together and, and have him minister to you through his, through his Prince of Peace. Um, so let me just pray for us here. Lord, thank you so much, Father that we can come and learn from you. Lord, you've given us such worthy instruction in your scripture. And uh, Father, it can help us in so many different practical ways in our life. And this morning as we encounter you as the living and dwelling Prince of Peace in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds. And Lord, that you've told us that we can share that freely. Uh, freely we have received, freely give. Lord, I wanna just pray for your spirit of peace to to fill us even afresh this morning. Lord, that we would feel you alive and, and active, just pushing out uh, all the anxiety, all the fears, all of the insecurities, Lord. And Lord, that we would, we would feel that transfer to others as we touch them and we pray for them and we encourage them, Lord. Let us be the peacemakers that you have called us to be and uh, experience the joy and the satisfaction that comes from that. And so I just... Bless this congregation this morning, Lord. Fill us, fill us anew with your Holy Spirit, your spirit of peace, and activate us um, in this walk. In Jesus' name, amen.